there's a conventional way of thinking about the economy that I can show somebody on a, on a beer coaster in about five minutes is why that's a bad idea. Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the new Economics Foundation's weekly economics podcast. This week, Steve Keen is back for the second part of our two-parter. This one's called Stopping the Next Crash. Uh, on the economy, uh, Great Britain and the United States uh, are uh, two economies that are standing out at a time when a lot of other countries are having problems. So we must be doing something right now. The British economy I report on today is fundamentally stronger than it was five years ago. Happy days are here again. You can break out the bubbly and raise a toast to the government for restoring us all to prosperity. 2016 could make the Great Depression look like child's play. The fundamentals that keep an economy strong and stable have not been restored. Can we promise it will never happen again over 100 years, 150 years? No, that would be silly for me to say that. We're going to make sure this country never again gets into this mess. We're going to run a surplus. So, hi Steve, thanks so much for coming back on to talk about uh, how we actually avoid another economic crash. Mm -hmm. First, if you could just give a quick summary of why you think the last crash happened and how likely you think it is that we're heading to another one. Okay, demand in the economy is the sum of what we spend out of existing money plus demand generated by newly created debt. That's the bottom line. And when you have, if the great level of debt grows over time faster than your GDP, which has happened around the world, you ultimately get to the point where servicing that debt becomes impossible. Various reasons, people go bankrupt, people decide not to borrow any more money, banks become afraid of lending. The rate of growth of, of debt slows down and a major source of demand evaporates overnight. And in fact, it can go negative because when people pay their debt down or they go bankrupt, you actually take money out of the economy. That's what happened back in 2007. And that's why we slumped. Uh, so is this the same uh, all over the world then? Yeah, and the, it's it's different times all over the world, but the same basic factor. So Japan was the very first country to fall into this. They had what they called the, they actually called it the bubble economy back in the 1980s. It ended literally on the last day of 19 the, the, that decade. The December 31st. 1989 was the day the Nikkei peaked at about almost 39,500 points. And then from that point on, private debt in Japan has been falling um, and taking demand out of the economy. And they've been stuck in that slump now for one quarter of a century. We caught up with them in 2008 and Japan and China's now caught up with them in 2015. I like that sounds a little bit like the millennium bug, the actual millennium bug right there. Um, so we hear um, so much about the deficit, about public debt. Mm. How does that fit into this picture? Well, public debt is a bit like an air conditioning system. It's what goes up when the, when the temperature gets too hot. The air conditioning goes up and brings the temperature down. So pri private debt is something that we ha you can only repay private debt out of earning income and, and money and paying it back to the bank. None of us own our own bank. The government, on the other hand, owns its own central bank. It's one of two ways you can create money in the economy. So you actually need debt to create money in the first instance. Private debt creates private credit-backed money. Government debt creates fiat-backed money. Uh, so you, you actually need them both. Now, what, when you have a slump like we had in the, in the private sector, courtesy of the uh, growth in private debt slowing down, government spending goes up because their tax receipts fall and their welfare payments rise. So it's, it's like, again, like a homeostatic stabiliser that the air conditioning system is. Pri government debt plays that role against private debt. And is it important to pay it off? No. 
No. Uh, see, the government can pay... If, if the government is issuing debt in its own currency, it has a basically limitless capability to repay that debt. This is what people can't get their heads around. If you and I go to get take out too much, uh, you know, too much debt from a private bank, we can't print our own notes to pay the money back. The government is actually in the situation where it can do that. So the government's unconstrained effectively. And the inflation question? That's the problem. It comes down to a practical thing. What is going to be the impact of the government doing it? It's not the government can't do it. It's what's the impact of it doing what it can do. And this, we confuse the two. The governments will say, we've run out of money. Oh, so your printing press doesn't work anymore. Well, well no, we're just not using it. Oh, why aren't you using it? Oh, because it'll cause inflation. Uh, I thought you wanted some inflation right now. I mean, you, you worried about it being deflation. Why don't you use the printing press? Oh, we can't do that. We'd cause inflation. Excuse me. Have you listened to yourself recently? <laughs> um, so just as a quick jargon buster, you mentioned fiat money, and I've been reading Paul Mason's book, which is a bit of a toughie at the beginning. So can you mm. just quickly explain what fiat money is? Well, fiat money means money which is uh, made money because we accept the power of the government. Okay? It's not backed by anything. It's not backed by gold. It's not backed by cocoa beans or anything. It's money because we except that the government has the power in our society to levy taxes, to do spending. And if the government puts £1,000 in my account, I'll happily spend it, and the person I spend it on will happily accept it. So it has its status because of the power, the legal power of the government. Okay, so um, uh, given uh, the uh, kind of crisis that you uh, first outlined, can you Mm. tell us how we might stop this impending crisis? Can we? (laughs) <laughs> well, we can ameliorate its consequences, and this is what the Japanese have been doing. They, they hit their crisis back in 1990. Ever since then, government debt, which was quite low in Japan, well, I think below 50% of GDP, has risen and risen and risen to 250% of GDP. It hasn't caused inflation. It hasn't solved the problem either, but it's meant the slump has been nowhere near as deep as it would have been if they hadn't had that increase in public spending. But I really think we've got to use the government's capacity to create fiat money to cancel a large part of that private debt and get us back towards roughly towards zero once more. Okay, well, we'll, we'll come on to that in, in uh, a few moments. But mm. so the people who've lent all this money mm. um, will want it back. Isn't the obvious way to end this issue to get everyone to pay back their debts? Well, if you pay back your debts, you take you destroy money. Okay, I took a while to realise that myself, I must admit. I got it wrong initially. But if you pay back debt, what you're doing, you're taking money out of your deposit accounts and your deposit accounts plus your cash in your pocket are the two major places, reservoirs of cash. If you pay debt out, you're taking it out of that, giving it to the bank and saying, please cancel my debt against this and reduce the amount of money in circulation. So if you keep on paying your debts back, you'll get to the stage where there is no money in society. So if you want to reduce private debts to stop a crash, what are the alternatives then to getting people Well, the alternatives would be to use the government's capacity to do that. So at the moment, the government's doing what they call a quantitative easing, QE, which is, giving, which is buying bonds off the banks. Now, that's not putting money where you... That's not, put, that's not actually printing money, as they say. It's printing reserve assets for the, for the banks, but it's not putting money in your bank account or my bank account, and that's what's necessary to actually create money. I would want the government to do that to everybody, so people's quantitative easing, but on the condition anybody who has private debt, that money is used to pay their debt down. It's not cash they can spend, whereas somebody who's a saver gets cash they can spend, and that would be a way of of basically rebalancing us from a far too much credit money, far too little fiat money, to more of a, a mixed fiat credit system. 
Okay, so um, this, um, you, you'd call it the Debt Jubilee, right? That's the one, Modern Debt Jubilee. Modern Debt Jubilee. Uh, so why won't it send inflation skyrocketing? Well, it might cause a bit of inflation, but you don't have to do it all in one bang. This is, this is the thing. We actually want inflation right now. Deflation is actually amplifying the crisis we're in right now. Deflation is causing the debt levels to rise as a percentage of GDP, even though people are still reducing their debt because that deflation is reducing the scale of GDP as well. So we want some inflation. But you'd, you could do it at sort of 1% or 2% of GDP and see what happened. It isn't the sort of thing you have to do in one big bang and it might destroy the planet. OK, so a little bit of an experiment could go a, uh, a yeah. long way. So who's going to actually do this, Steve? This is, sounds politically impossible. You know, mm. you're giving people money. The Daily Mail will be up in arms. What, what do you say to that? Well, the Daily Mail didn't see the crisis coming. Uh, this, this, it, it's, it's this. There's a, there's a conventional way of thinking about the economy that people get trapped in, where they think the government should run a surplus. Okay. This is the mentality. Households should run a surplus. Government should do the same thing. I can show somebody on a, on a beer coaster in about five minutes as why that's a bad idea. Because what's that saying is the government should destroy the money in the economy. Okay. Now, do you think it's a good idea for the government to go around destroying the money supply? Okay, that's what's actually being proposed by this. And it, you've got to be people thinking differently about the government than they think about households or firms. And that's it's difficult, but it's about time we used a bit of thinking here rather than just slogans. Love it. <laughs> so that's a slogan in itself, Steve. <laughs> right. Well, wonderful, uh, Steve. Thank you so much for um, taking the time out to, again, describe something so uh, reasonably complicated in such simple terms. Um, now we're going to go down to the pub, get a beer coaster, and you're going to explain all this to me I will. in just five minutes. Thank no, you very okay. much. You can pay for the beer. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. If you want to help us touch more ears with our kick-ass brand of economics goodness, uh, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a cheeky rating, unless it's just uh, one star, and tell all you see on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace and that new hip cool platform that I'm certainly not aware of yet. We'll be back at the same time next week. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.